This week on Dig Me Out. So what about this record, though? Like, when you just listen to this record, does it seem disingenuous to you? In some respects, yes. Tim and Jay review Faithless Street by Whiskey Town. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me, as always, my co-host... Jason Ziak. Jay, it is time once again for us to sit down and discuss a record released in the 1990s. Whoa, that's different. I know. We're taking a break from the norm. We're uh, we're doing it again for the 191st time in a row. We're about to hit 200, Jay. Bicentennial coming up soon what are we gonna do for that um i believe we're contractually obligated based on a previous discussion with gavin reed to do use your illusion one and two. Oh yeah we did talk about that didn't we yeah so we'll see if we stick to that plan i thought you were gonna say we're contractually obligated to take the week off oh <laughs> there is no time off we go 52 weeks a year here <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is not a uh, an endeavor that requires a break or a vacation or anything. Says like you. That. <laughs> it's true. I am a bit of a um, a tyrant when it comes to our work schedule. Slave driver. Yeah, I wasn't going to use so that many one. albums. Our work is never done. That's true, Jay. We only have about fifteen thousand albums left to do. So. <laughs> Keep your, uh, oh, keep your chin up. It never ends, man. We no, picked the right ends. decade. We picked the right decade. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it never ends, uh, we're going to discuss a band and an artist who is quite prolific. Um, speaking of one Mr. Ryan Adams, and we're going to go going back to his uh, band days before he was just Ryan Adams. We're going to talk about the first Whiskey Town album, called Faithless Street, released in 1995. Jay, were you familiar? I know, I know you know Ryan Adams, not personally, but just, you know, his music and stuff um, from over the years. I don't know how, I don't know if you're a big fan or not, but were you familiar with Whiskey Town at all, his band before he was a solo artist? I was. I have, looking at my iTunes slash Amazon account, and I actually have one, two, three, four albums from Whiskey Town. So, interesting. I was familiar, and um, yeah, I apparently bought a lot of their music. I was not, which is kind of a shock, probably to to some people who know me, because I was big into the alternative country scene with bands like the Jayhawks and originally. Uh, well, I got an Uncle Tupelo just as they were falling apart. Um, I got started with the last album, and then was into Wilco and and uh, Sunvolt, uh, Golden Smog, those sorts of bands. I never got into Whiskey Town, and in fact, my first sort of uh, exposure to Ryan Adams is uh, the New York, New York song and video. Which came out uh, right right after 9-11. Back in 2001. Wait, that was the first you heard of Ryan Adams? Yep. 
What? I know. Wow. Okay. And here's how did I? How did I like this band and know of them and you, and you didn't? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the second confession. I've never really liked Ryan Adams. <laughs> I have always kind of been off put by this. The I think the music is fine. Um, I maybe I got into him at the wrong time when I wasn't really into alternative country uh, in the 2000s. I sort of evolved out of that um, in the same way that say sure. Wilco evolved out of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I would also hear about these three and a half hour long jam shows that he would put on uh, at the local, you know, arena here in Columbus. And it just sounded awful to me, like him playing Grateful Dead covers, and you know, yeah, <clears throat> it sounded I, it sounded tedious. I I totally understand what you're saying. I don't want to spoil my review and say any more than that, but okay, I'll just leave it at I completely understand. So I also was a, I, I, I know there are a lot of people who are really into Ryan Adams, and um, I was a little bit, I guess, off put by the fact that that video came out right after i mean i know it was circumstance you know he right at the top of the video it says the video was shot september 7th of 2001 and it just so happened that the twin towers are featured prominently in that video and it was released you know then as an homage to new york and people rallied behind that became a really big deal that song and part of me has always been like i don't think he would have the career he has if it wasn't for that song in terms of a mainstream sort of popularity. And it sort of has always bothered me that his, he's sort of attached to that event and um, kind of given me the, um, just a, just a negative connotation. And then combine that with the various um, negative reviews I've gotten from people who have gone to his shows and, Sometimes he can be a, a bit of a prima donna in the press, and I've I've read other things about him showing up for. There was one thing about him; he's taping some show for the BBC. It was like a songwriters, not roundtable, but basically a bunch of so, a famous songwriters and artists got together and and played songs together, and he basically like showed up and couldn't have cared less, and he spent like part of the time on his phone trying to buy a T-shirt online on like ebay or something it was like packing up his gear while they were doing the last song like was a basically a complete dick about the whole thing and um that's sort of been my impression of ryan adams (laughs) so i've i've i think that's probably why i've never bothered to go back and revisit whiskey town but he has a new album coming out and i actually like the one album of his that doesn't sound um i think it's called rock and roll Right, which and everybody else hates. Everybody else hates it, and that's <laughs> the one I actually enjoy. Yeah, I would probably like that one, too. So there's my my Ryan Adams preamble. That's 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 everything. Plus, he has that like perfectly tussled indie rock hair that pisses me off. Because um, I can never have you know, perfectly tussled indie rock hair. That's my spiel on, on Ryan Adams. Let's, uh, let's get in a little bit of history. I'm not going to spend too long on Whiskey Town, but I want to give... The, uh, the facts here. History of the band. So, Ryan Adams was in a band, a punk band, 
called the Patty Duke Syndrome, um, which broke up, and in 1994, he formed Whiskey Town with uh, Caitlin Carey on violin, Phil Wancher on guitar, Eric Skillet Gilmore on drums, and Steve Grothman on bass. Uh, they were all from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So a year later, in 1995, they released their debut album, Faithless Street, which is the album that we're going to check out, on Mood Food Records. And then it was re-released by Outpost Records three years later with bonus tracks. Um, and then one song was re- removed from the re-release, which is a song called Oklahoma. And then a bunch of bonus tracks were included that were not included on the original album. So debut 1995, two years later, uh, they release Stranger's Almanac. Uh, In the middle of the recording, uh, Eric Gilmore, the drummer, left. Steve Grothman, the bass player, left. And then just after its release, Phil Wandisher, the guitar player, left. And they went through a variety of fill-in players um, to the point where, while they were on tour for the record, Ryan Adams fired the entire band except for uh, Caitlin Carey, and they had to finish with uh, new musicians. Um, the only people that actually made it through that they had a touring multi instrumentalist named Mike Daly, who became a permanent member of the band for the third record called Pneumonia. And for Pneumonia, that was their third studio release. It came out in 2001. It was a a merger between Polygram and Universal. And uh, the band was on Polygram, I believe. Or maybe it was Universal. I'm not. One of those two labels. Anyway, the because of the deal, they sat there in limbo waiting for the record to come out. And it took two years. I guess the, band, the album was actually ready to go in 1999. But it sat there. The band fell apart in that time span. And they had over 100 songs they were considering for the record because they were just sitting around continually writing songs, writing songs, writing songs. Um, it finally was released by Lost Highway Records in 2001. In the meantime, Ryan Adams had recorded and released his first solo record, Heartbreaker, in 2000. And then his second solo album, 2001, uh, was called Gold, came out uh, after the release of Pneumonia. And Gold is the one that contains the song New York, New York, which I referenced earlier. And then Ryan Adams has released about a dozen albums since then, and he has a new self-titled album coming out as uh, we talk about this particular record. So if you have an album you would like to have us review, please visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. We got some Facebook feedback on this record. Scott Russell Halgram says... Is it just me, or does the Spotify version of this sound awful? I've listened to the extreme quality versions, and it's very crackly, definitely peaking distortion. Same problem on Xbox Music. I wonder if it's on the CD itself, or if the MP3s they sent to the streaming services. Anyway, these versions are unlistenable. Jay, did you listen to the, the Spotify version? Uh, I did. I There are a couple tracks where some instruments peak. Um... I think it's on the recording or in the mastering. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I didn't find it unlistenable. I mean, okay. I noticed it in a couple songs, but uh, without sp- spoiling my review, I actually think the production and the sound of the record is pretty great. 
Sean Michael Foster says, how did I miss this? Can't wait to hear. And Eric Rubs says, much more country than any of their other releases. Ryan's songwriting talents were already pretty obvious. So, Jay, let's talk about uh, what we liked and what we did not like about Faithless Street by Whiskey Town, their debut record. Uh, last time I started it out, Jay. So this week I'm going to throw it to you. Can you tell me something that you liked about Faithless Street? Well, I like that it does country without being country. <clears throat> and as I revisited it, I tried to figure out like where that line is between, at least for me, like when can, when a country influence or a country sound is endearing and seems compelling and interesting and when it steps over into you know, predictable and no longer interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the, one of the ways that they make it work on here is that everything is so well balanced. Um, so you've got a really interesting mix of instruments, but in, in terms of, you know, you got your guitar and drums, you got your bass, you've also got violin, you've got a lot of it's a pedal steel mm-hmm. and there's some harmonica and violin mixed in. I don't know if I mentioned violin. And mandolin. The, mandolin. And the thing that's cool is that all those instruments and you mix in the vocals, obviously. You've got harmonies and leads and a lot of vocals going on. It all is really balanced. Like it doesn't, it all dances together and intertwines from, you know, through each other and nothing ever stands out too much or takes over and um there's something about that balance um for me that that makes it work in a country-ish you know alternative genre where some other albums don't so i just think there's a really good um a really good interplay and restraint to the musicianship and the playing and how things are placed and orchestrated and used that ultimately combine together to make, you know, cohesive, um, solid songs. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's something that I, I, I just love, I love the interplay of the instruments on this record. No, I get, I get what you're saying. And I think that in, in terms of one of the things I liked was, uh, in the in a broadest sense, the the songwriting, um, I think the arrangement of the instruments plays into that. Uh, they're able to utilize familiar instruments in a country setting: the mandolin, the violin, the, the pedal steel, those sorts of things. The acoustic guitar, uh, the um, what I'm guessing is a Telecaster or a, or or some sort of you know real trembly. Uh, electric uh, with the occasional vibrato on it and stuff. Uh, those all sound familiar, but they do a good job of utilizing them in very specific and not overly indulgent ways. Um, and it highlight, helps highlight the individuality of the different songs. Um, I definitely leaned more towards the up-tempo and mid-tempo stuff in terms of uh, the songs that I responded to. Um, songs like Drank Like a River, um, track two. Somebody wreck 
That to me, again, that's like a good up tempo rock song. That you know, drinking is a is a pretty solid subject matter for uh, when you're when you're doing a, a country song, and they add some nice violin into that song. Um, I think Caitlin Carey's kind of the hidden weapon in this because she's able, you know, the violin is able to evoke such a specific sort of um, mood in either of of sadness and sort of. Um, longing and when you do it in a in a song like that singing about this sad sack you know wasting his life drinking his life down the down the drain of a bottle of something i don't know what allegory i'm going for there but um you know she whether it's that song or or faithless street um the violin you know adds to the song in in the arrangement and in the and in the way that uh you know it plays off of his vocal, which I found, and I don't know if you did, um, when I first listened to this, I was confused as to whether it was just him singing all the time, um, because he does a he does a lot of playing with his vocal from song to song, um, but then I just, I figured that it, I, after I listened to it enough that I, it was just him doing all the vocals, uh, you know, obviously there's some harmonies going on. Um, but did that, did you, did you pick up on that at all? Did that mess with you at all? Yeah, it did. There was a couple songs. Um, one actually it's on the bonus, you know, the re-release only, which is Tennessee, uh, whatever, Tennessee, um, square. That mm-hmm. voice doesn't sound like him. Um, I, I guess it must be, but I didn't think it was him. Um, there's another one that's really too that's really country-ish too drunk to dream that was the one that that was when i was got i was like huh maybe that's the bass player singing or something i can't sing do you hear that lonesome cry thought i made it stop it sing put my hands lit there on a bottle and i just drank until my heart will be too drunk to dream The ones that got they got extremely country, like right. Uh, I don't know if it was just the music was so so far in that direction it threw me, or it was just the voice. But uh, those were the ones I I questioned whether it was him singing or not. One of the other things I liked are the lyrics to a lot of the songs. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are fairly predictable in in terms of the subject matter about love and broken hearts and drinking and whatnot. I mean, there's two songs in a row, Drank Like a River and Too Drunk to Dream, that reference drunkenness. And, But I liked 
that he threw some, I don't want to say like modern references, but in Faithless Street, uh, the last line of the song says, so I started this damn country band because punk rock was too hard to sing. I liked that. I thought that was, you know, funny, but he's, you know, just laying it out there yeah. that, you know, being a punk rocker is not as easy as just playing three chords. You got to shred your vocals. And so I, I kind of, I enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed Caitlin Carey's song Matrimony called the anti-marriage ballad. Um, I thought that was, in terms of the ballads, was the highlight on the record for me. Yeah, that, that song's a fun little break in the record to have her take the lead. And it's, you know, just a classic kind of female country song story, mm-hmm. you know, um, but with a twist to it, which is, which is really cool. Well, I'm saving this dress for my wedding day. Back to the song you mentioned where with the lyric about what's the lyric again about uh So I started this damn country band because punk rock was too hard to sing. Yeah. That was one of the moments where um to go back to your original sort of a rant on Ryan Adams here at the beginning of the show. Um it's easy to to get lost in this record and forget that it's him. At least for me it is. When I say him, I mean the person that we know now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I listened to the, when I got these records, were listening to them. They were, they weren't brand new, but he wasn't. He isn't the persona that he's known to be now. You know, um, so it's nice to when I when I listen to him, I can kind of get lost in that and forget that whole person that we all know now, um, which is interesting. And that lyric reminds me that, or, or I guess raises the question for me that. Um, he, he, he has he always re, he, he's maybe always resented you know the fact that I think he's most naturally gifted at this type of music but I think he's proved through his solo career is that he may not be extremely passionate about this type of music like he likes a lot of other kinds of music and he's tried other things whether it be you know rock or metal or jam music or whatever like he's tried a bunch of other stuff and I almost get the sense of like when I heard that lyric of at some point in his, you know, development, he realized like he had a knack for this and his voice sounded good singing it and he could write songs in the style, but wasn't necessarily, you know, he sort of resented that that's what he was going to be, you know, and that's what he did the best because he liked so much other stuff. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it kind of raised that issue for me when I heard that lyric again and thought about all the things he's done since then and. Um, kind of, it, it started to make sense to me about why he is the way he is. Maybe, 
and why his solo career has been such a roller coaster ride. And um, I think the other thing that I thought of a lot was how much more mature he sounds on this. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. outside of maybe in that lyric, like, you know, these are pretty uh, mature and, and, and interesting takes on things. And just even his voice, I mean, just sounds so earnest and real. And then I try to resolve that with the person that I think of now, who honestly, I think of him now based on his solo career in the last you know, roughly decade is being kind of an immature asshole. <laughs> you yeah. know, he just kind of, he's just kind of a jerk and he acts like a baby. Um, and I have a hard time like resolving that character with what I hear on this record, which sounds like a very mature, like settled, um, seasoned, you know, mm-hmm. wise. Artist. It's, it's yeah, scary wise to artist. Yeah. It's it's weird. I, I you know I, the the nice thing is like I said because there's there's other players on this record and they have their moments and they're allowed to come forward. Um, he's not in your face all the time, so it's easy to kind of get lost in the record and the band that that mm-hmm. was, um, which is cool. I concur, and I have the same I guess struggle with him, and I think for me it's that I, I've. I've always wondered about his interest in what he was actually doing. And that has led me to question like the authenticity of it. Like, okay, if this was a guy who just was like, you know what? I can, I know I'm a good songwriter, but, and he's saying, and I don't know if he's being cheeky about it or if he's being honest, but saying punk rock's too hard. I'm just going to play country music because it's easy. And I know I can write these songs. That's always been my, my struggle with him is that I feel like he's playing at country and not really all that invested in it. Like, it's just, it's easy to play these, strum these chords and, you know, find these sort of traditional songwriting tropes and and ideas that have existed for 50, 60 years and sort of tweak them a little bit and come out with... Because a lot of the stuff on here, whether it's... Um, Hard Luck Story or uh, Too Drunk to Dream or I mean they're they're really rooted in very basic country music uh, tropes and they're not really all that I, I would say original the thing that I think worked for me with say Uncle Tupelo or or the Jayhawks is I felt that there was, take the Jayhawks for example, I never felt that they were just mining country for country's sake. I felt like they were incorporating a lot more than just that, even though there was an element in the, of the twang in their vocals. They were incorporating things like the Birds and Crosby, Stills, and Nash and, and, and these more like folk artists and these less, you know, less mainstream uh, mainstream is a hard way to put it now because country like that doesn't exist anymore and then with uncle tupelo you know more so on the jay farrar side but jay farrar was tackling a lot of very heady subjects for what were essentially teenagers at the time you know working class versus corporate interests and whether it was like songs like graveyard shift or and also you know 
going back to the original like folk artists like the Carter family and I just I, I don't know this it's always kind of bothered me with Ryan Adams whether or not he really like gives a shit about <laughs> what he's actually doing well, so what about this record, though? Like, when you just listen to this record, does it seem it, 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 disingenuous it, to you? It, in some respects, yes. Um, I, I feel like, in terms of everything I've heard from him, um, and I've listened to you know albums like Easy Tiger and and some of the other stuff, and gone back and listened to the early solo stuff, I feel like this is the most authentic because it's probably him at his earliest and figuring it out there's a rawness to quite a bit of this that i like um again it tends to be on the more up-tempo stuff you know i like i think probably my favorite song in the whole record is the last song which is the hit bonus track revenge Mm -hmm. um it, it has almost a guitar riff in it which none of the other songs have has an aggressive vocal it gets the furthest away from being a country song in more into the alternative end of things but then on the same you know side of it i think that matrimony is probably the second best song on the record and it's not sung Hmm. by him and i think that it's it's one of the most traditional sounding songs but it it reminds me of something that like jenny lewis could do uh, with the watson twins it has that like very modern twist on uh, female country of the the Tammy Wynette and the Patsy Cline and, and those sorts of uh, artists. Um, but with the sort of, you know, I don't, are you familiar with that Jenny Watson album? Or Jenny, the Jenny Lewis album with the Watson twins? Um, no. Okay. Well, that's that to me is not far off from what Caitlin Carey's doing on that song. And um, I would suggest checking that out. And if anybody else out there hasn't checked it out, I I would suggest it. There's, there's like, um, Oh, there's one song that has secularists in the title. I mean, she's, she's a really good lyricist and really good songwriter. So when she takes on that sort of female country, uh, a role, she does it with a really sharp, lyrical bent that uh, a lot of people don't uh do when they're when they're doing this style of music um yeah i mean there's so much baggage i have attached to ryan adams it's hard to sometimes separate that i will say this this is going to be i guess the most positive thing i can say about the record i put this on and i listen to this record a lot 
and I just listened to the whole record all the way through without sort of thinking about it, and I enjoyed it. Like it has its ups and downs. It has the slow songs and its and its mid tempo to fast songs, um, and its background music. I thought it was perfectly fine. I was able to do other stuff, and I yeah. would you know I. I'd focus in on some stuff here and there. What when I found when I started dissecting it is when I started to go, uh, that sounds kind of boring. That sounds, that sounds cliched and that's not doing it for me there. So it almost works better when I wasn't paying attention to it, as opposed to when I was trying to dissect and pick out the parts and, you know, that happens a few times on these records. Yeah. No, you've run into it too. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, like I said, I was able to get into the record and forget it was him, <laughs> uh, which helps. And I think the reason mm-hmm. that was is because of the rest of the band. I think the rest of the band save, saves him from himself um, and saves this record and probably all of their records. You know, off the top here, when I started giving my what I liked, you know, it was really that interplay between all of the band, all the band members and all the instruments. Um, and they're all given their space and none of them... Um, you know, takes over too much. And and I just, I enjoy that, that relationship that happens between those instruments. And, um, and in a lot of cases, I think it makes, um, makes the record interesting and, um, allows it to be, you know, kind of free of the, a lot of the Brian Adams stuff that would annoy me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some moments where, you know, when you really start to analyze it, I guess one thing that will pop out is and some of those songs where it gets really country and he almost gets like a southern twang or something in his voice. Um, the way he delivers some lines, that's when I start to perk up and like, oh, it sounds a little bit like you're pretending to be a country singer and not just right. You know what I mean, um, that's you know, on repeated listens, like you said, when you're really paying attention and sort of analyzing it, um, I got a little bit more critical about those sorts of things. Um, this is the kind of record I, I just I love to listen to these kinds of records and headphones, um, you know, uh, why I work and why I'm doing things. I just find them really interesting um, because it, it's got a great room sound. Mm-hmm. Um, everything has space to it. All the guitars are, um, you know, you they're in, they're a little bit in the distance. Um, the the drums are in the distance and uh you can really i don't know picture yourself in a room and you kind of get lost in it um which i really enjoy so from that aspect i i I liked going back and visiting it and for the most part um liked it from start to finish i gotta say that uh we and when we reviewed it uh disclosure prior to the show we basically listen to it as it is on spotify right now which is a different sequence and some slightly different songs yeah um you know maybe it was because i got used to listening to that way but um after you figured out that we were listening to the wrong way and we listened to it the other way i liked the way i was listening to it previously a lot more um i think the end of the record is a lot stronger um so if you listen to the spotify version the 98 um, re-release. The 98 yeah. re-release. And you start from track one and go to 12. Um, I think that's a much more solid record. Uh, with the exclusion of, of Revenge, which I think is a really cool song. I love that guitar riff. Um, and I just think it's a little too alt-rock for this record. 
Probably so why I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it it starts to it also reminds me of like, oh well, this is the kind of stuff that Ryan Adams wants to be doing. Which is something I don't want to have to think about on this record. You know what I mean? Right. I want to I want to believe this record. I want to buy into, you know, all these lyrics and the the tone it's setting and the the atmosphere it's setting and the time and place that it's portraying. Um, to, to be able to enjoy it, I need to buy into all that. And when they go off into alt rock land, it starts to break that illusion, I guess, if you will, um, a little bit for me. I gotcha. I'll say this, in terms of everything I've heard from Ryan Adams, I agree with you that you kind of forget that it's him, and and this is definitely my favorite overall release that he's involved with, uh, whether it's solo or band stuff. Um, I need to go check out uh, Stranger's Almanac and Pneumonia and see what they sound like, because I haven't heard them. Um, And I know that there's actually like some lost albums, too, that are floating around the internet as well i guess they recorded an album uh between strangers almanac and pneumonia i think or between it's between two of the records and it was never released and then it like leaked out but it's it was like they wrote and recorded the album in like a week and they like never never got released because the Uh, record label i guess didn't want to do it but i have an album called rule free delivery i don't know what that is it has tennessee square in oklahoma on it Hmm. Along with uh, it's an eight song album with those two songs on it. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> the album cover looks pretty lo-fi. Like, if I was to guess, looking at the album cover, I would guess that this was their first, e- or first like independent record. But oh, maybe it's like an EP or something. Because I, I think that what the re-release has is some stuff that was from an EP plus some demos. And then a whole remastering of the whole record. So let's talk about overall ratings, Jay. Were the album better EP, decent single? Um, for me, I, I think that this overall, I, I found this to be an enjoyable listen. But if I had to pick specific songs, I'm probably at an EP. Um, I have no problem putting it on, throwing it on, do something, listening to it in the background. That's fine. But if I was going to put songs into a mix... I'm probably at four songs. Four? Yep. Holy moly. Okay. Because I found the rest to just be okay. And I wouldn't necessarily want to... I wouldn't pick them. Well, (laughs) if it was the 12 that I listened to the most, (laughs) I would say it's a complete record to me. Hard Luck Story and Top Dollar, I'm not sold on. And I like Revenge, but... Like I said, I, I don't know that it fits on this record. Um, I'm going to give it a full record regardless. Um, like I said, um, I think the the rest of the band is really strong and uh, keeps it interesting to me. I mean, I, I enjoy the simplicity of his songwriting. And um, it's simple, but, you know, the, the right, the, it's sort of the case of, I think he, he finds the right core changes um, a lot of times to make um, you know pretty compelling songs, and I think the rest of the band elevates it into something that's worth a you know a pretty fun, immersive listen. Well, it's a slight disagreement on Ryan Adams. Uh, it's a 
it's a tough record for both of us because we have so much you know hate for the, the person t- that made it <laughs> yeah i guess that's a way, a way to put it we have a lot of it's so funny because have... a lot of it it's anecdotal or like things that i've read or interviews mm-hmm. or whatever but it's just it, it is what it is it just rubs me the wrong way <laughs> <coughs> i think you're in the same position as i am yeah yeah, yeah. when it comes to that i just kind of want to punch him in the face no i'm just kidding ryan if you're listening to this i don't want to commit any acts of violence i'm a pacifist if you like what you heard, folks, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes, um, especially you, Ryan. We'd appreciate it if you gave us a thumbs up and uh, show that you're cool with us bashing you for 45 minutes. Uh, if you have an album for us to review, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and hit up our request review page. want to thank everybody for listening in, checking us out on our various listening Outposts, Radio IO, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, what have you. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, we're going to be back next week with an album to review. I have to double check my calendar here because I, I want to start previewing these at the, uh, at the end of shows. But I forgot to open my calendar. So I'm going to stall while I open my calendar. And talk about what we're going to be reviewing next. Oh yes, we're all we're going to be reviewing another album by an artist who, re- who was in a band in the '90s and released three records, and now is releasing a solo record amongst a lot of solo records that he's released. We're going to be reviewing the first Soul Coughing record. Mike Doherty has a new solo album coming out, so we're going back. We're going to review Soul Coughing's first record. Just like we did uh, Whiskey Town. So we're going from alt country to the whatever you call soul coughing. Loungy jazz, bebop, something. You're not selling this review on me. Jay, I'm going (laughs) to tell you that there are a lot of people, and including a lot of people who listen to our podcast, that love not just soul coughing, but this record in particular. Mm, Okay. This is a this is a milestone record for the entire decade. So come prepared, my friend. Come prepared. That's all I got to say. All right. All right. Just your- the jazzy whatever it is you just said isn't making me excited. But if the people like it, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> it's uh definitely our most uh well not I'm not gonna even say that. We've done some we've done some pretty out there records, so yeah. It's yeah. probably not one of our most out there records, but I'm familiar with a couple of the tunes. We'll see if I can handle the whole record. We'll see if we can put together a spirited debate <laughs> about soul coughing on there. All right. Record Ruby Vroom. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. In this picture, could have been a picture.